All right. Welcome, everybody. Episode four of the Bomber Brothers podcast brought to you by WFAN and Odyssey. Sean and Ryan Chichester back talking more things Yankees after a big series split at the Trop. And a happy Memorial Day to everybody as we record on Monday, which is a much needed but also much confusing day off for the Yankees, Sean. I mean, obviously, the Yankees have just finished the stretch where they played, what was it, 23 games in 22 days. There was a day off in between, an unexpected day off in between because of the rain out. But there was a doubleheader two days after that. So it was definitely a trying stretch of games for the Yankees. But I, I can't remember the last time we had a Memorial Day and no Yankees afternoon baseball to watch. The Yankees have off today for Memorial Day, and they also are off on July 4th as well. So really, really weird scheduling um, by by Major League Baseball. I, I always loved going to like a Memorial Day day game. Um you know, avoid avoid the barbecue and, and and get to go to a nice nice day at the stadium where usually you got a good crowd and you know nobody too too rowdy. It was always a always a nice time going um, for like an afternoon game on a on a nice holiday like Memorial Day, Fourth of July, even Labor Day. But Yanks are off, and I think they really needed it. And I think one of the things though that that kind of makes you feel good going into it is that the starters provided a lot of length in this Tampa series. Um, specifically in the first two games. So this this day off really, sh- and, and the length that they got from their starters over the last four games really helps um, really helps them going into this next stretch here where they do have some days off coming, days off, and uh, they'll, they'll be able to kind of manage their bullpen a little bit more like Boone probably wants to without the stretch of, of so many games in a row. Yeah, like you said, the starting pitching was superb. They're the, they have the second best ERA in baseball now behind only the Dodgers, but those first two games with Cortez and Tyone each going eight innings, they were fantastic. And you know, you start you start to get a little greedy after those first two wins. Then you're thinking, oh, we've got Cole and Kluber going in game three. This could be a chance for the Yankees to actually take a, a four-game series at the Trop, which would obviously be a, a huge, massive success considering how banged up the Yankees are and how tough it's been to win in the trop for them and how just how good the Rays are and and Cole had a bit bumpy of a first inning that got his pitch count up a little bit so he only went what was it six six innings a little over six innings but he still still was solid and the Yankees just couldn't get any offense going on on Kluber after that after that first inning and that's just how baseball is. You look at the pitching matchups. We previewed the series before it began and said how game three seemed to be slanted in the Yankees' favor. And, of course, that's a game that the Yankees don't come away with. But overall, a really, really good performance by the uh, starting pitching, which is looking like, as a staff, one of the best in all of baseball. Absolutely. And you know what? And the last three games of the series, they scored a total of what five runs, two two on Friday, one on Saturday, two on Sunday. So to come out with a win out of a performance like that from your offense, um, that's not you know that that's something to be thankful for, I, I think. And you know, um, I know Cole is the ace, and you expect when he's on the mound to to get a win, but when he gives up one run over six innings and your offense scores one run, um, you really really can't can't expect. Uh, to get a win on it on a day like that and you know look yesterday on, on the Sunday game Severino he pitched in what into the seventh uh, I know he gave up four runs but he only gave up two hits and two walks struck out eight um, obviously the long ball bit him a couple times but 
you know, still in another encouraging start from him. He's getting length. He's getting strikeouts. Um, only two walks is awesome. And the Yan- Yankees did get nine hits, but they're really, you know, not hitting consistently for power. I think the, even the Thursday game where they put up seven runs, they only had one extra base hit, the, the Rizzo double. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the weekend, they had a couple, couple solo shots mixed, mixed in there, but, um, you know, the, uh, you know, I think that last game where they lost four, two was a little bit more on just a little bit inconsistent, not being able to string those hits together, which obviously if you have a couple of guys on, um, when you get a, a home run out of Torres or, or judge that, that really helps. But I mean, the pitching pitching was great and the offense, Hey, it happens. Yankees always have trouble hitting in Tampa Bay. Um, and you know, like you said, we, we predicted a split. We said we'd be happy with split. And uh, I'm not really happy about the way that it happened where you go up to, oh, like you said, you start thinking about, all right, if we could, you know, win the Cole game, we were guaranteed a, a series win and a four game series win against the division rival on the road would have been sick. But I think, you know, like as, as a Yankee fan, if you look at it objectively from, from the view of, of what you thought going into the weekend, I think you have to feel pretty, pretty happy to still be um, four and a half up, um, here on when, you know, the, the old adage is don't look at the standings until Memorial day. Well, it is Memorial day and, um, the Yankees, uh, have the best record in, in the American league. So gotta be happy about that. Yeah. Tough to complain again. Like you said, winning the first two, you start to, your eyes start to widen a little bit and think maybe you can take this series. But like you said, the offense wasn't able to do enough. The pitching certainly did its part. And you mentioned that the Yankees have struggled in the trop in the past with their offense, but it's not just because of the venue. The Rays are a really good team pitching-wise, starters and relievers. Obviously, they don't use them as conventionally as a lot of other teams, but this is a Rays team that has the fourth-best team ERA in the league and the third-best whip. So this is a team that is, that is built on playing low-scoring games. So those last two games, those 3-1, 4-2 wins, that's that's the Rays' wheelhouse. But if you're able to go in there and split a four-game series and have a starting pitching staff that, that can compete with the Rays' pitching staff, I think that bodes well for a team that is obviously not 100% on offense. This is a team that's missing Josh Donaldson, who was hitting very well before uh, – landing on the COVID list and now the IL with shoulder inflammation. DJ LeMay, who just came back from his weird wrist injury, whatever that was, but it's, he said he's finally doing better and he looked like he was doing better almost immediately. He hit that double to the opposite field. I think, which I think was his first at bat uh, back. So you have an offense that is shorthanded and also in some areas looking at Gallo and Hicks, badly, badly struggling and you're still able to get a split against one of the best pitching staffs in all of baseball and on the road. So I think the Yankees should be feeling pretty good about themselves on this rare holiday off. Uh, absolutely. And and I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm, I like to dig into the numbers and all that, but when it comes to my Yankee fandom, I get pretty emotional and I'll, I'll rip, uh, I'll rip them when, when they need to get ripped, but I can't like right now, like going down to that house of horrors, you know, to, we've had so many terrible memories in Tampa Bay and to come out with a split, four and a half up, um, you know, almost here in June. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty satisfied with that. I'd, I'd say um, I'd like to see the offense get going a little bit more, but you know, when you're, they faced left-handed starters, three out of the four games, you were missing two of your best right-handed hitters in Stanton and Donaldson, obviously you still had judge. So, so that does help, but you know, Stanton is such a force when you, when you have a, have a left-handed starter there. Um, it really helps protect judge, even though he did, you know, have a, you know, have a 
couple, uh, couple dingers, but you know, one right-handed hitter that did step up this series and I had picked him for the belt was Torres. That's right. He was great. And I picked Hicks. <laughs> he was not, that didn't, that wound up. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he was also pulled out of the lineup the first game because of hamstring tightness and they didn't, what do you, what do you have a pinch hit appearance on, on Saturday and then had hit, hit into some bad luck on Sunday, but we're going to get into him in a little bit and just how bad he's been. But yes, Torres, two more home runs in this Tampa series. Uh, what was he? Three, three for four in the, series finale i believe i mean he's but more importantly just back to his power for a second and those two home runs he's already matched last year's home run total of nine and the you know all the discussion around torres before the season started was where did his power go where's that 38 home run man from 2019 obviously the juiced ball in 2019 probably had something to do with that home run total but not nearly to the effect that he would go down the nine home runs in his next full season, but it looks like Torres's power is back. He's slugging 467 right now this season. And in the last two seasons before that, he slugged 366. So that's over a hundred point bump. Also his expected slugging percentage is in the 92nd percentile in the league this season, which is unbelievable. And his hard hit rates in the 88th percentile. It's, it's about 12% points higher than it was in 2019 when he hit uh, the 38 home runs. So Torres's power seems like it's, it's all the way back. Obviously some other areas have been sacrificed as a result of that. His, um, his walk rate is back down to closer to where it was in 2018 and 2019 and his uh, swing and miss rate is, is around those levels as well. So those have uh, been on the rise too, but I mean, and his on-base percentage is actually below 300 right now. But more importantly, his power is back. He's giving the Yankees some needed pop as they have guys like Stanton on the shelf and other guys like Hicks and Gallo, who you expected to give the team some power, are not giving them any at all. So this is a, a very, very promising turn of events for the Yankees, getting Torres seemingly back on track and I mean, that's, this has to be a huge, huge sigh of relief for them because he was their prize prospect and the expectations only went up after his first two seasons in the, in the big leagues. And then everyone was just wondering what the hell happened to him in 2020 and 2021. But here he is in 2022 looking a lot closer to that player he was in his first two years in the majors. Yeah, and I think you see, you know, I know the numbers haven't really borne it out, but I think he is having really good at-bats um, looking to go the other way. You know, yesterday... I think he struck out with runners at the corners to end that inning where they had first and third with nobody out. But, um, you know, he hit the ball foul the other way a couple of times. He's really uh, staying back and trusting his hands at the plate, um, which is something you really saw him really kind of bailing a lot um, over the last couple of years, trying to trying to open up a little too early to, to force himself to pull the ball. So and we've seen that. I mean, he had the walk off, um, you know, the, the other way against the Guardians, which was a huge hit. Um, and he, you know, he's, he's come up with some really big hits in really big spots too. It's not just that, okay, he's hitting a couple dingers here and there and, and, you know, the numbers are kind of falling into place, but he's come up big. I mean, even on opening day, he had a really big sack fly to tie the game. Um, you know, he had the walk off, uh, against the, the guardians. So he, he's come up with some really big hits too. It makes me feel like he's getting a little bit more comfortable again at the plate, um, which is, is, is key for him because you could tell he's a player that relies on confidence. Um, I don't think it's any surprise that once he didn't have to worry about playing shortstop, his, his offense improved last season. 
and has been has been better here in, in, in 2022. And that's huge for the Yankees because the more bats, the better, especially with offense being down across the league. Um, his uh, his contributions have been a welcome a welcome addition. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up hitting to the opposite field. You hear Torres talk about that in every post game interview or every on field interview with with Meredith on the on the Yes Network after a big game. He's talking about how much emphasis he's putting on hitting the ball to the opposite field this season. Uh, and it showed he has uh, nine home runs on the season. Five of them have been the left field, which were both of the one, two of them coming in this Tampa series, but four of them have been to right field. And then he has five doubles on the season. Two of them have been to left and three have been to right. So when it comes to his power stroke, he's using all areas of the field, which of course is huge when you play at Yankee stadium and he's taking advantage of, of that short porch and, it's it's just really showing in the numbers. The underlying statistics love him too. His expected slugging percentage is 564 this season. I mean, it was 493 in 2019. So he's uh, squaring up the ball right in line with the best numbers of his of his career. I think it would have been foolish to give up on him even after two straight lackluster seasons, just because he's still so young. And like you said, I think you know constantly shifting in the infield and going to shortstop and struggling probably didn't help him much last year. And we saw his numbers start to pick up down the stretch last year once he was moved back over to second base. So now that he's knows he's there to stay, doesn't have to worry about shortstop, is at a more comfortable position. His defensive numbers have improved also, but here like we're focusing on is the, the power seems to be back. And that is, again, that is huge for a team that is currently missing Stanton, currently missing Donaldson, currently missing any kind of power from Gallo and Hicks and pretty much any kind of offensive production from the catcher position. So the Yankees need Torres's power right now. It can't all come from, from judge and occasionally Rizzo, although he's cooled down a bit after his strong start, but yeah, huge, huge props to Glaber. He's been, uh, He's been massive for for the Yankees so far this season and was a, was a good pick for the championship belt, although I feel like we should probably just give that to the rotation. Yeah, I, I yeah, we'll give it to Matt Blake. Uh, yeah. The, the pitching's been great. I think the bullpen's still we, making us a little bit nervous right now, but, um, you know, hopefully we get little Isaac and Chapman back as we spoke about last episode. Um you know, the starters needed to give a little bit more length and the off days are going to help and starters uh, definitely stepped up. Um, really, really awesome performance, uh, both by Tyone and Nestor and the legend of Nestor just continues to grow. He was, he was awesome, especially in a game that, that really set the tone. Um, you know, one thing the Yankee have Yankees have taken some uh, unfair, in my opinion, uh, flack for is, is beating up on bad teams, but that's what you're supposed to do. And I think the Yankees have played very representative baseball against some of the the better teams in the American League. Obviously, they haven't played, um, you know, the the division leaders yet. But Tampa Bay and Toronto are are right there in the wild card, and 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 the White Sox are are right behind. And um, they they've handled those teams fairly well. I know that they lost the White Sox series, but they've played good baseball. And uh, you know, they, you're supposed to beat up on the bad teams. And and Nestor comes out against one of the one of the better teams um, in the league and in, in the, the Rays and, and shoved for eight innings and almost got through the, you know, I know you kind of ran out of gas there in the ninth or whatever you want to call it, but 
Um, and then Tyone follows it up the next night and does the same thing. So really awesome. I think Tyone's kind of flown under the radar because the Nestor story has been so awesome. And, and I mean, I love watching Nestor pitch, but Tyone's been really, really good this year. And, um, you know, excited to, to see him try to continue it and hopefully get a full healthy year under his belt when I know uh, it would really help him personally with that, with his uh, free agency coming up here. So really cool to see both of these guys uh, go out and shove when, when we really needed it. Absolutely. Tyone has been by all, by a lot of the statistical categories, the Yankees second best pitcher this season behind Cortez. I mean, he has a two, four, nine ERA. That's the second best in the rotation right now. He has an insane 0.9 walks per nine innings. That's actually the best in the rotation. And he's only allowing uh, 0.7 home runs per nine innings. That's tied with Cortez for the best mark in the rotation. So yeah, Tyone has been fantastic. He's setting himself up for a nice, a nice payday. And it's easy to forget that he was really good in Pittsburgh before these injuries kind of derailed his career a bit. And then he came over to New York and, talked so much last year about how he was trying to tweak his, his mechanics and he wasn't you know reaching all the way back before throwing a pitch and how he was kind of keeping his elbow cocked a little more behind his head to kind of salvage his elbow and his forearm. And it seems like he has responded well to that. He was pitching, you know, he, he had that really strong stretch last season where he was, what was he the American league pitcher of the month in, in July or one of those summer months, I think it was. And then he started, and then he had the ankle issue at the end of the year, but he's healthy now. And he's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball and the Yankees rotation. has just been unbelievable. I mean, there's not, there's not a pitcher on this staff that has walked more than two and a half batters per nine innings. The lowest ERA is, or the highest ERA on the team, I think it's Severino. And he's only at, he's still under three, four Oh, this is an incredible incredible pitching staff right now that should have a couple all-stars on it oh yeah absolutely and you know Severino does have the but he didn't pitch for like you know since he really since 2018 so this should be absolute the Yankees should consider Severino's performance so far to be absolute best case scenario yeah I I agree I expect him to get stronger as, as the year goes on but maybe not I shouldn't say stronger because fatigue will probably set in but I think sharper um, if they, if they manage him, right. Um, so I'm excited to see how it plays out for him. Just, um, you know, he, he pitched a good game yesterday. Just sometimes those are the breaks and, you know, really thankful to have the performances by the rotation that we got, um, to really salvage a split here. And, uh, you know, just like I said, I'm, I'm satisfied. It, it is the weird, a weird kind of way to win the first two and then lose the second two. But, um, yeah, overall, can't can't really complain about a split in Tampa, and the pitching staff is who we have to thank for that. So we'll we'll give them the belt, as we said. Oh, for sure. And I think what's also promising is I think you can make the argument that this is maybe not to this level, but for the most part, I think this is widely a, a sustainable performance from the pitching staff. Cortez, you know, a lot of people say he came out of nowhere, and obviously, I don't think anyone expected him to be pitching to a one seven zero ERA through nine starts this season, but. He also had a really strong season last year. As soon as he mastered this cutter, he's just been a different pitcher. So I don't think it's unfair to say that this isn't a flash in the pan. And this is closer to who Cortez can be now consistently as a starter. You have Tyone, who has struggled with 
health a lot in his career. And he took a year to kind of refine his new mechanics and find a way for him to consistently repeat them while staying healthy. And now he's putting up really good numbers. You have Severino, like you mentioned, that's this is a former bona fide ace and Cy Young candidate before injuries started getting in the way for him. And now he's pitching healthy. And of course we know who Cole is and Montgomery is a, another really strong lefty in that rotation who has had some, had some success since, since 2017, basically before he got hurt too. So I think you can make the argument that in almost all of these cases, Absolutely. I think um, as long as they continue to throw the ball well, the, the offense is going to find ways to hit home runs, find guys that get on base. And um, except for a few exceptions, I, I, I feel like this is going to be going to be an offense that will be able to support the, the pitching staff more or less.